Well, yesterday, my family went with some friends to Intoto Park. Some of you have been there. We went just to enjoy the day. And um, near the end of the day, we were at an ice cream store getting ice cream. And we had a large group of, of kids with us. And some kids said, I need to go to the bathroom. And some said, I want to go ride the skateboard down the hill one more time. And others said, I'm going to go over here. So they just all scattered right before we were going to leave. Well, a few minutes later, about 20 minutes later, we regathered, and I saw my wife walking up toward me, and she had a bit of a concerned look on her face. And she said, we can't find one of our four boys. She goes, I don't know where he is. So we sent some of the uh, other kids and people with us, adults in groups of two, to go look. And my wife was already gone, and I could feel her anxiety, her worry. It was all over her face. She was carrying it. And because she started to worry, I hadn't been worried, but I start to feel the worry as well. And as we walk up the hill, we look in all the obvious places for my son. Now, I had been thinking, this is no big deal. He, he roams off. We'll find him. But as we looked in all the obvious places, your brain starts to wonder. And you start to think, well, he had his skateboard with him. Maybe he went down a hill and flew off a mountain. Hey, he could have been picked up by somebody. All sorts of things start to happen. So, so I start to feel the worry rise. And I, I, I see my wife who is hitting near panic as she feels this. So I begin to walk down the hill and I tell her, I'm going to go alert the security people. Not being an Amaric speaker, I pick up the phone and I call Pastor Mike and I said, Mike, we can't find one of our boys. Can you talk to the guards and just let them know what's going on? And about that time, I get a text. Why is I'm on the phone, Mike? I pull my phone away and look at the text and my wife says, I found him. And with that, you feel this sigh of relief. All that to say, worry, anxiety, it's a daily part of life. Today, what Jesus speaks on is something that impacts every single one of us here. None of us escape this. As long as we're here on this earth, we are going to feel anxiety. We're going to feel worry. It's going to come daily. It's going to come in unexpected times. And as I was walking a few feet behind my wife, I was praying, God, I trust you. God, your word says you haven't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, so I'm not going to let a spirit of fear right now take over. I'm going to trust you. And remain calm and level-headed. We need God in those moments of anxiety that we all deal with. Well, this week, we're finishing up chapter 6. If you haven't been here with us, we are in the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at uh, the book of Matthew. We're in Jesus' most famous sermon. We're in chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You can look in your Bible or on your phone if you want to, but the words will also be on the screen. Hear the word of our Lord. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God 
So clothes the lilies, uh, the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. This is the word of God for the people of God. And all God's people said, praise be to God. You may be seated. God, your word declares that all men are like grass and all our glory is like the flowers of the field, that the grass withers and the flowers fade. But your word, O Lord, your word stands forever. May that be the word that is faithfully preached today. Unless you speak, nothing of significance will be spoken here today. So speak, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, the first word in our passage today is the word therefore. And I've said this before, but anytime you see that word therefore, you ask, what is the therefore therefore? What's its purpose? What's connecting us back to what Jeff preached on last week? Last week, we heard in the passage, no one... No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, it mentions those two because God is to be our master. We're to serve God above all else. But there's certain things in our lives that pull for mastery over you, they want to be your master. And money is perhaps the most powerful pull for mastery in your life. So um, Jesus had just said, hey, don't store up treasures on earth. Store them up in heaven. And he says, hey, you can't serve two masters. You can only, ser- you can only serve one. So you can't serve both God and money. And he says, therefore, here's what I'm going to tell you. And when Jesus says, I tell you, he speaks as one with authority. This is God Almighty speaking. This is the very Word of God. He says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He's going to use this word anxious. We'll interchange it with the word worry. So you'll hear me say both, but they mean the same thing. He's going to use this word anxious several times in this passage. But he's going to use it in three different ways based on the verb. First, he's going to say, do not worry. Secondly, he'll say, stop worrying, meaning he knows you're worrying, so stop it. And then he's going to say, don't start worrying, because he knows you're going to be tempted to start to worry. You see, this passage today that Jesus is speaking on, there's not a single person here today that does not experience anxiety and worry on a daily basis. Anxiety and worry is something we carry, something we struggle with. So Jesus has said, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. And then he pulls to the two basic necessities of a knife that we have. Food, drink, what you will wear. You see, in the ancient world that consumed them probably far more than it consumes us. Now, each day we eat, each day we drink, each day we put on clothes. So it's a concern of ours. But in the ancient world, it was a very, very real, very high worry. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety and worry because God knows this. He made us. And because of the fall, because sin is entered in this world, whenever you see a situation, you're prone to head toward worry. And what worry is, it's a form of meditation. 
Scripture speaks of meditating on the Word of God. Psalm 1 speaks of that. Worry is this. There's a problem. There's something concerning you. And you think about it over and over and over again. You keep coming back to it. You can't get it off your mind. It's a burden. It feels heavy. You just keep coming back to that's what worry is. And Scripture says in perhaps the most famous passage on anxiety, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So he gives us here some keys to worry. How do you deal with worry? Pray. Supplication. What is supplication? It means you're going to God and you're appealing to God. God, yesterday, let my son be found. Okay, God. Handle this situation. I'm crying out to you. But God, I can thank you that you are God. And God, I can thank you in the midst of this situation, you are with me. You're right here with me. You haven't left me. You won't forsake me. So we go to God in prayer when we feel worry. First um, Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. So, Here's what worry does. Here is the positive effect of worry. If you can do the positive, it draws you near to God. You realize I'm not God. I'm going to try to solve this, but God, I need you. So I'm going to cast this on you. And most of our worry, it's not a cast it on God once. It's a cast it on God today. I'll cast it on God tomorrow. I'll cast it on God the next day. I'll cast it on God the next hour. I'll cast it on God the next minute. You see, worry and anxiety drives us to God. It can either drive us away from Him or toward Him. And He says, cast your anxiety on God. Jesus in John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, the world can't take away your worry. The world can't give and deal with your anxiety. The only source of peace that you have, that I have, for anxiety and worry is Jesus Christ. Nothing else. But guess what? Jesus is enough. He's sufficient. He is enough for all our burdens, all our worries. Now, as I walk through this passage, as I prepare this week, uh, I usually, my pattern is I start with Scripture and I just try to look what is Scripture saying. And then I'll allow the saints some of those saints are people I meet with here to give me cultural perspective. Some of those saints are saints who've written commentaries. And I'll say, God, what are you saying through these others? One of those was a man named D.A. Carson who wrote a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. And he laid out a few different responses and types of people that could hear this. I've given these people names and I want to point out some different responses you may have to this message that Jesus is speaking. First, Mr. Very Happy. There's some people who are like, me worry? I don't worry. Chikorilum, no worries? I'm good. Some people have no worries whatsoever, or seemingly so. They seem carefree. But often Mr. Very Happy is irresponsible. Often he doesn't get things done. Often he, he doesn't get things done on time. He doesn't often worry about the next five minutes, but he's bringing worry to everybody else. He'll say, why worry about getting an A? I can relax and still pass the class. I don't need to worry. And this person will hear this message and say, worry, that's not me. 
let me tell you, that person's lack of concern is a lack of love for others. Because guess who's carrying their worry? Everybody around them. This person isn't saying don't worry. All they're saying is, I'm going to deny worry, and everybody around me worries for me. Everybody around me feels that. That's Mr. Happy. Seems carefree. Second person, Mr. Hyper-responsible. Oh, this person, they pay attention to everything. They, they're on top of things. They take things very, very seriously, often at the expense of other people. They're so serious. They want to make sure everything's done and, and done well. And, and they often take things so seriously that they even deny the Lord's involvement. It's all up to them. They've got to get it done. And that person here today, here's what they're going to worry about. They're going to worry that they worry too much. I worry too much and I'm worried about it. God, I'm a worrier. I'm worried about that. I need to take care of that. A third person who may hear this is Mr. Heavy Burden. This is the person who came here today. Maybe they've got a good job. Maybe they've got a family, but they've got a burden. Perhaps their wife has cancer and they're carrying that burden. Perhaps they've got a child that has gone wayward and went to live in the far country and went to live in sin and they carry that burden with them. There are some here today who you come in here and you go, me not worry. Do you know the load I'm carrying? Do you know the weight that's on my shoulders? I'm carrying a heavy, heavy load. Now, there are certainly other types of listeners here today. Many of us may be a combination of some of those or somewhere in between there. But to Mr. Very Happy, I think the issue there is he needs self-discipline, self-sacrifice, hard work. He needs to hear from Colossians 3.23 that whatever you do, work at it as unto working to the Lord. He doesn't need to hear that uh, not worrying means you have no concern. No, we're concerned about things. We don't pass our worry to others. We bring them to the Lord and we are faithful to address concerns, to take them seriously. You see, no worry doesn't mean you ignore things. No, you address it. You take care of it. You get involved with it. And you don't expect others to take it on. But when you feel that worry over that upcoming meeting, when you feel that worry over that upcoming conversation, you take it to the Lord. Mr. Hyper-Responsible, he needs to hear about God's grace. You're not ultimately in control. God is in control. Trust Him. You can't fix everything by your worry and anxiety. Trust in the Lord. They need to hear from Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you can test what God's will is, His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Mr. Hyper-Responsible needs to hear, don't be conformed to this world. This world, when there's a problem, just piles up. I'll take it. I'll carry the load. And they worry, they worry, they worry, they worry. No, bring that to the Lord. And Mr. Heavy Burden he may just need somebody to cry with. Somebody to say, I'm here. I'll be present with you. The Lord's present with you, and I will be a manifestation of His presence and love and care for you right now by being present. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to be with you. That person needs to hear Psalm 55:22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. You see, though we're a church, 
A beautiful church made of different generations. We're different ages. We're a beautiful church made up of people from different countries, different socioeconomics. Though we all have differing backgrounds, differing situations, we all encounter anxiety. We all encounter worry. Some cultures like to say, Chikarilum. My culture, we say, no worries. We tell ourselves all the time, no worries. Don't worry about things because we know we are so prone to worry. Some cultures worry, what will people think? What will they say? My culture, oftentimes when there's something to worry about, we'll just charge as hard as we can straight ahead and we will mow everybody down to get through it because we're pretty direct. All our cultures deal with anxiety and worry in nuanced ways. But you see, there's something about us. We're the church. We may come from different backgrounds, but our, we are a kingdom people. That's what we're to pray His kingdom come. We're a kingdom people, and we live by kingdom standards, not by worldly standards. So regardless of maybe how you grew up and your parents handled worry or your friends handled worry or your culture handled worry, we're to take this and handle it the way that Jesus Christ, our master, tells us to. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter which generation. It doesn't matter our natural personalities and propensities to deal with things. No, we come at it the way Jesus says. And I see seven reasons here today. There may be more that others would see. But I've got seven reasons that Jesus gives us in this passage that we're not to worry. First one, he mentions it in verse 25. Life is more than food and clothing. The basic necessities of life. God tells us, I'm going to take care of you. I've got you. God's over our life. He knows us. He loves us. And life is more than these things, more than your body, more than food, more than clothing. So he says, don't worry about these things. Secondly, and Jesus gives an illustration. He says, look at the birds. The birds aren't worried about food. They aren't stressing about what they're going to do. They don't reap. They don't sow. Aren't you more valuable than birds? Second reason not to worry. You are more valuable than the birds God feeds. Now that sounds a little silly, but my prayer is when you walk out of here and you see some birds uh, hopping on the ground or flying through the air, you'll look and you'll say this. I'm more valuable than them. God takes care of that bird. God's going to take care of me. It's one of those visible reminders. God took care of the birds. He's going to take care of you. Don't worry. You're more valuable than them. In verse 27, after this picture of the birds, Jesus asks a question. I always love the questions of Jesus. Here's one. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Third thing. Worry steals from your life. It steals life. It doesn't give life. It doesn't make life better. It doesn't make life more enriching. It robs from your life. I'm ashamed to admit how many times I've been with my wife or with family or with someone I know and they're talking to me, but I'm not there. I may be sitting near them, but I'm not there because in my mind, problem, worry, running through our mind, it steals. Worry will steal from the present. It'll take away from where you are. You'll be with people. You should be present with them, enjoying their company and doing that, but you can't because you're so worried. It steals. It robs. 
Psalm 90.12 says, Teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Our days are short. To our young people, you don't realize that yet. Not an in-depth level. To those who have lived longer seasons, those who have more life behind you than in front of you, you look and you go, life moves quick. When I say life is short, you go, life is short. And here's what worry does. It steals from life. And worry literally can kill. 60 million people die each year. 10 million of those people die of cancer. But the biggest single killer, 15 million people die of heart problems. And how many of those heart problems are brought on by worry? Worry literally destroys this body. God has made our bodies where they're not designed to carry that much worry. It's made to make us run to God and go, God, I need you. I need help. So worry literally steals from your life. In verse 28 through 30, Jesus says, don't be anxious about clothing. And now he gives another illustration. Look at the lilies of the field. They just grow wild. Nobody plants them. There's no effort. They just grow. Yet Solomon, and for the Jewish person, if you said, who is the picture of the wealthiest person to ever live, the best dressed person, it's Solomon. So he pulls out the, the person that's the best dressed person. He says, yet Solomon in all his splendor is not clothed like this field that's done nothing. The field's not worried. Yet God clothes that field and it's here today and gone tomorrow. The lilies don't last long. He says, oh, you have little faith. Fourth reason we're not to worry is you are eternal. Our souls are eternal. We're the only thing in all creation made in the, God of, in the image of God that's humanity. And we will live forever. We're eternal. Here's perhaps the biggest thing to worry about. When I stand before God, will I recognize you're my Savior. Jesus died for me. I was a sinner. He saved me. And will go to be with God for eternity. Or for some who lived their life denying God, rebelling against God, they will spend eternity, tragically, apart from God. Now that's cause for concern. But for us, for those here today, and I'm not assuming this is everybody because I know it's not true, for those who have recognized I am a sinner, I've rebelled against God, yet I can be made right before God through Jesus' perfect life and trusting Him. Those who've placed their trust in Christ, those who are a, what Scripture calls a new creation, if that's you, you have no worry. Death has no sting. You are eternal. Here he says, stop worrying in verse 28. Stop it. You don't need to worry. You're going to live forever. We don't know how many days on this earth we have, but here's what we know. For the Christian, absent with the body, present with the Lord. When this body stops to cease to work, when this body can no longer sustain human life, be it by disease, be it by old age, be it by accident, whatever causes this body to stop to work, the instant the Christian's body stops working, they are present with the Lord. You are eternal. You don't need to fret or worry about these things. In verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. 
Fifth reason not to worry, God knows your needs. He knows your individual needs. He knows your worries, your concerns. He knows them all. But what he wants you to do is bring that burden to him, to place it upon him, cast your anxiety on him. So God knows, he knows our needs and what those are. But look, he says in verse 33, the Gentiles seek after these things. Now the word Gentile, Gentile is a non-Jewish person. In this context, what it's being used for is someone who does not trust in God, a worldly person. So the people of the world, they worry about all these. They're anxious about all these things. Why? Because they're, they're not trusting in the Lord. Now, verse 33. This is one of the key verses of the entire sermon. It's a very powerful verse. He's just spoken on how people handle these things, how the Gentiles worry. He says, but you, in verse 33, there's implied you, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you as well. Seek first God. He's going to take care of you. You're eternal. Seek him first. So the sixth reason is you are made for something greater. He says, seek first God's kingdom. Now again, Matthew focuses on the kingdom a lot. Who's the king? Where's the kingdom? Well, when we speak of kingdom, what do we mean? We mean the reign and the rule of God Almighty. The reign and the rule of God Almighty. So that's to be the first thing that we seek is God's reign and God's rule in our lives. You see, God's reign and rule is not all over this world. It doesn't take long to look and see the sin and brokenness. Now God, he's coming back. He's going to establish his kingdom. But until he does, guess who kingdom ambassadors are? You see, as the church, we are an embassy of the kingdom. You want to know what the kingdom's like? You should be able to come to the church, worship with the saints. We're not perfect people. We don't claim to be, but we need one another. And let me just tell you, the Christian who thinks they don't need the church is living in denial of themselves and the reality of sin. I can't be any more clear. Scripture speaks of the church. It's God's body. A lot of people have excuses. I don't need the church. People aren't perfect. People sin. The church isn't perfect. Absolutely. When you aren't a part of a body of Christ, you deny yourself to the church, and the church needs you. And you deny, you live as if you're an island. You live independently. Now, we need to gather and worship God Almighty. We need one another. We need to hear the Word of God Almighty. We need the church. So I would say to anyone, I know some of you are here for a short period of time. Even if you're here for only a few months. I met several people today. Some are like, we're here for three months. We're here for eight months. Plug into the church even for that length of time. You need the body. And I would say to you, if you are here visiting and you don't have a church, it is impossible for you to effectively live out your Christian life without the body of Christ. We are a kingdom outpost. God has chosen to primarily work through the church. We are blessed to have lots of people working in Christian organizations. Amen. Praise the Lord. But they don't replace the church. Don't get that confused. To our young people, you need the church. Don't think you don't. You need to be with other Christians, and they need you. And Jesus here is saying, seek first his kingdom. His kingdom outpost here on earth is the body of Christ. It's the church. We're the kingdom outpost, and we are ambassadors. We're kingdom. Scripture calls us ambassadors. So where we go, we say, I represent a different kingdom. Some of you are ambassadors here. You represent nations. And you may come and say, hey, I represent this nation or that nation. Amen, that's fine. But who we truly represent is we represent a kingdom of God coming here on earth. We're the embassy, the churches. We gather together. We're not perfect, but we're striving to seek the Lord. And we tell others, you need Jesus. They should look at you and go, why, why don't you worry all the time? 
Because I seek first the kingdom of God. What do you seek first in your day? I don't think this is only speaking of the day. I think it's speaking of all areas of our life. Yesterday when I saw my wife hitting panic, as I walked behind her a few feet because she was walking faster, she was on a mission, I began to pray. In this moment, I'm seeking you, God. I feel the anxiety. I'm seeking you. When you wake up in the morning, you grab that phone and pull it toward you and go, what's it going to say to me? Or you wake up and say, God, today set my mind on kingdom things, not on things of this world, because this world wants to get you. It wants to grab you and pull you in and take control. Now, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seventh thing in verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious. This means don't start worrying. Don't start worrying about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry for itself. It will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Today's troubles are enough. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, I want to caution that. Scripture does give us pay attention to the future. So, it doesn't mean you look and you go, you know, a, a kid could take this and go, I've got a test coming up next week. I'll worry about that when it day comes. Now, that's not what this verse is saying. It's not what it's speaking of. It's speaking of, you know, that test is coming, so you need to lay it out and be preparing each day. So today, worry and be anxious about what you've got to be anxious about for it. Now, this isn't saying don't plan, don't prepare, don't have concerns. We have concerns, but we don't let them worry us, consume us. We bring those to the Lord. Today's troubles are plenty. You have enough trouble today. Every one of us is going to worry. You're going to leave here. You're going to get in the car. Husband may say something to a wife and worry. You're going to get in your car. And you're going to start to think of things that are coming up this week. Worry. You see, the beauty of worry is this. And it's weird to say beauty is a worry. I mean, worry is a beauty. Because <laughs> we all experience it. It drives you to God over and over and over and over and over again. You come to him over and over and over again. God, I'm carrying this. I picked it back up. I gave it to you, but I took it right back. I give it to you again. I give it to you again. I trust you. In this passage today, there's two main imperatives. Now, what an imperative is in the Greek, it basically means it's a command. And here are the commands. Don't worry. God commands you, don't worry. And then secondly, seek first his kingdom. I think that's the great solution to worry. Don't worry. Instead, seek his kingdom first. Now, when we talk about worry, I could give a lot of self-help advice on how to handle this. I don't think that helps much. Here's where you go when you worry. As the Christian, we go to the Word of God. But if we don't know God's Word, if we don't seek God in His Word, if we don't hide the Word in His heart, a lot of times we have an empty well that we go to because we can't pull from it. No, we go to God's Word. When I've got a meeting coming up that's got me anxious or I'm about to do something new, I've never done this before, and I'm wondering, can I do this? How's this going to turn out? I'll turn to Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. God is with you. For the Christian, he's with you. In the midst of the 
challenge, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the burden, He's with you. When I feel like I'm too weak, or I don't know enough, or I'm, I'm not sufficient to do what God has put before me. I don't know if you ever feel that way. I look at things sometimes and go, God, you've given me more than I can handle. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Deuteronomy 33, 25. As your days, so shall your strength be. God will give you the strength you need for today. He will give you what you need. To our marriages. Enemy loves to get into a marriage. And one thing I know in our congregation, there's many marriages that are struggling and hurting. And that brings worry. That brings anxiety. As a husband, when I'm in those situations where I'm going, hey, I'm in a hard part in the marriage, God. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. What's my calling as a husband? Death for my wife. Husbands, that's what God calls you to. You die for your wife. So when you're anxious about marriage, that's what you do. Wives, when you're anxious about marriage, it says you're to respect your husbands. A husband who doesn't feel respected, he will wilt up, withdraw, and struggle greatly in marriage. If that's where your marriage is, Husbands, your job is to sacrificially love your wife. Wife, your, love, your job is to find what communicates respect to your husband and let him know that he is respected because he goes out in this world and gets beat up. That's how God has wired us. But when we start to worry about these things, and some of you have been in a marriage so long that's in a hard spot, you've given up on worry. You don't worry about it because you've checked out. It's not what God calls us to. Engage. Marriage should be glorious. It should point to the gospel. We should be a church full of people encouraging one another in this. To the single person. Some of you here today are single and you're going, I've been single way too long. God, when are you sending the person? Why am I still alone? Remind yourself of these truths. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But the married man is anxious. The married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. You see, marriage brings a whole new set of worry. When you get married, realize a lot more is coming. God's present with you. So to the single person, Scripture calls singleness a gift. Now some of you are going, that's a gift I don't want, God. I get it. You don't want that gift. But it's a gift from God. And He may have you there for a long time, a short time, I don't know. But receive it as a gift that you are able to serve the Lord and rely on Him in a way that would be very difficult to as a married person. So as you're tempted to worry about your singleness, go to that passage. When I worry about decisions I have to make for the future, Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and keep my eye on you. So as you worry, keep coming back to, well, Lord, what do you want from me? Where are you leading me? As we pray, I hear this a lot. I'm praying about this. I have people come to me a lot and go, I've prayed and God's told me this or told me this. And I'll say, oh, really? How have you prayed? It's just been me and the Lord. Have you sought counsel from other Christians? No. Have you dug into Scripture and see what Scripture says? Well, not a little bit. Listen. God speaks through the body of Christ. 
That's why you need one another. You need people that know you and can speak into those things. So when you have a decision to make about the future, you bring it to the Lord and you say, instruct, he'll instruct you, he'll teach you the way you'll go, he will counsel you, and he often does that through his word and through his people. We need the body of Christ. When I've got opposition, Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? When I'm facing conflict with someone, Ephesians 4.32 says, be, compi- be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. Even when you have conflict with someone, you're not going, I want to hurt them or destroy them. No, you go, I'm going to be kind and compassionate and forgive them already, even if they haven't asked for it, because I've been forgiven. When we're sick, Romans 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. We're going to suffer in life. A church that teaches that suffering is not to be a part of the Christian life is teaching heresy against Scripture. Scripture teaches you are going to suffer as a Christian. It's a reality. I hate suffering. I'll do all I can to avoid suffering. But God tells me, you're mine. This world is broken and you will suffer. So I remind myself, when I'm sick, when I'm suffering, whatever it may be, that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. God is with us. If you're worried about getting older, Isaiah 46.4, even to your old age, I am he. To the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made you, I will bear you, I will carry and save you. To those who are afraid of dying, Romans 14 says, None of us lives to himself. None of us dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to the sin, Christ died and rose. That he might be Lord of the living and the dead. The Christian... Though we may look and say, hey, I like this life. I'm not looking to rush out of it. Death has no sting. The Christian who's walking with the Lord should have no fear of death. It doesn't mean we're going seeking it, but the fear of the Lord as we mature and grow in the Lord, the fear of death becomes lessening because we know to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. When I have those concerns and I go, hey, is the ministry I'm doing, is the pastoral work I'm doing, the ministry you're doing, is it, is it, is it really making any difference? Is it just sort of busyness, spinning the wheels? Or what, what are you doing? Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but shall accomplish that which I've sent it, uh, its purpose, and shall succeed the thing I sent it. Each week, We stand up and we open the Word of God. We say we want to hear from God. I trust the Word of God to do its work. I don't trust in myself, my ability to speak or present or study, any of those things. No, I trust in God's Word to accomplish its work, and so can you. So as you do ministry, you speak the Word of God to other people. Sometimes it's quoting a verse. Sometimes it's you just know God's so, word so well, you can speak it. If you worry about losing faith and falling away, Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion. For the Christian, you can be secure in your salvation. When you're a born-again Christian, you're a new creation. You've been born again. There is security. But let me tell you this. The Christian who's been born again, you will see signs of life. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of ministry. You'll see all those things. So church, I say to you, we all today and tomorrow and the next day, you will have things to worry about. Every person in this room will worry this week. Jesus says, don't worry. He says, stop worrying. 
He says, don't start worrying. And the only way you can do that is coming to him, repeating scriptural truths back to yourself and drawing near to Jesus. The Christian should not be the one who runs around always worried. They shouldn't be the person who their way they deal with worry is just to ignore it. No, we take things seriously. We address concerns, but we trust the Lord in it. Now I want to speak to the person who has the greatest thing ever to worry about. We're all eternal. We all will die. Unless Jesus returns, we're all dying. That's a reality. We're eternal, and these bodies are going to stop working at some point in time. That day is coming when we will stand before the Lord. And that should be the greatest, most joyous day that you're not worried about because you have recognized your sin, you've confessed your sin, you've trusted Jesus. You're a new creation, you're born again. No worries. But if you're here today, maybe you do good works. Maybe you're kind to people. Maybe you show up at church regularly. But you have not trusted in the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. If you think your works can save, your religious practices can save, let me tell you, you have reason and cause to worry. Because that day is coming. It'll be here sooner than we know. And my hope and prayer for every one of us here is that when we stand before God Almighty in judgment, we say, I throw myself on your mercy and I've trusted in your Son and in Him alone because He is mighty to save. Let's pray. God, we... uh, We as a people recognize. We confess. As a church, God, we acknowledge, we worry. For each of us, it may look different. It may come out in different ways. We may say phrases like, no worries, no concerns. We may say all those things, Lord, but we worry. Lord, may that worry drive us to you. May we seek first your kingdom as we worry. May we run and draw near to you with that worry, knowing that you care, knowing that you're present, knowing that we can cast our anxieties upon you. Lord, I'm quite certain there's someone in my hearing, maybe a few people, who have not cast their biggest worry, their eternal state upon you and trusted in your Son. I pray that you would awaken them to life and to trust in you, that you would do that work. God, but for us as a church, may our worry drive us to you. Thank you for forgiving us, God. We're forgiven in Christ. So we don't need to carry the burden of are we forgiven or not. We want to walk in freedom and fullness that you give from worry by continually coming to you. May we do this by your strength and might. In Jesus' name, amen.